Hello and welcome to the Dobcast. I'm Erica Stacey. We live in a visual world with more photos, images and videos than ever before available at our fingertips. But how do you plan, create, source, use the best images to represent yourself or your brand? My conversation with photographer and social media consultant Kate Potter will show you how. In this episode, we discuss the different options for creating your visual content, from professional to DIY to using stock photos, the benefits of building a visual content library, the importance of a mood board, tips for preparing for a photo shoot, both behind and in front of the camera, editing tips and apps and more. Kate also shares what she's learning at the moment and her top tip to help you be prepared to do your best online. Hello, Kate, and welcome to the Dobcast. So lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me, Erica. Now, in addition to being a very good friend of mine and a social media manager, you are also an avid photographer, which is what a lot of people would know you as. Yes. Well, I kind of, I I think that I, well, I hope that I'm in a position to talk with some authority about this subject because I have the intersect between social media and photography. I've worked in social media for... Uh, almost a decade now, working for a local agency here in Adelaide, Hughes PR, for uh, about eight years. And, uh, you know, I had a keen personal interest before that. Um, And I've also been a photographer for quite a number of years. It started, as most photographers do, as a, um, you know, personal passion. And people start asking you to take photos of things. And so it turns into a profession. Um, So yeah, I've kind of got a meeting in the middle of those two things. Yeah. And I think that's a huge advantage as an individual, but having, like you say, having that intersect between the ability to identify and create the visual content and that really clear understanding of how it's being used as well, which I think it's forcing a lot of marketers these days and business owners to not necessarily become professional photographers, but have a, have a greater understanding of the importance of visuals and how they can either capture and create the visuals themselves or work with someone to achieve the content that they need to communicate their message, whatever it should be. Well, with a smartphone in their pocket, (laughs) everyone is a photographer, whether they like it or not, everyone's a photographer. And Annie Leibowitz, who's a very famous photographer, was once asked, well, what's the best camera? And she said, it's the iPhone because, you know, everyone's got one in their pocket. So the important thing is knowing how to take a simple tool and there's a few things that you can do to really maximise the effectiveness of your visuals in digital and social media. So hopefully, yeah, hopefully (laughs) we'll you know, impart some of those tips today. So before we jump into all of that, you did mention a little bit of your history with where uh, you're working social media marketing mm-hmm. and with Hughes, but can you give us a kind of brief summary, the BuzzFeed version, I like to call it, of your career to date and what it is that you're doing at the moment? Sure. Well, I studied communications at university and uh, then I went on a gap year 
and travelled for a year which uh, without knowing exactly what I was going to do, which is always fun. Um, and then I worked for um, a media monitoring company, which is now known as iSentia, but was known as Media Monitors. And I worked with them for quite a number of years. And the advantage of that was that all of the PR companies in Adelaide were my clients. So um, I was a supplier to the PR industry. And then in 2010, I moved over to Hughes PR, which is a really excellent PR agency here in Adelaide with fantastic clients, um, and started working in traditional PR. Um, but after a year, um, an opportunity came up for me to specialise in digital and social media specifically at Hughes, and um, that was fantastic. Really varied clients, really varied experience, and doing all the things from day-to-day -day management of social media channels right up to, you know, kind of top-level strategy type of stuff. When my third baby was born, um, I decided uh, to do something a bit different. So I am now doing social media consulting, um, which is great fun. I'm doing some work at the moment for a couple of food and wine clients. And I'm also doing photography. So I photograph some weddings and I photograph some families and I do a little bit of corporate stuff as well. A few headshots for me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I've done a few headshots for you, which has been great fun. And yeah, that's, that's me. Fun times. And you mentioned getting into photography initially as a bit of a hobby. How long ago was that? Because I've just realised I have no idea how long you've been doing photography for. Well, two of my very good friends pulled some money and got me my first uh, digital SLR camera, I think as a wedding present. So technically it should have belonged to my husband as well. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. I commandeered that. And so that was in 2010 as well. And then it wasn't until my first baby was born in 2012 when I actually really had the time to dabble in photography and the, they say that the key to being good at anything, you know, is 10,000 hours, uh, but really it's pushing the shutter 10,000 times <laughs> and working out what works and what doesn't. Um, and for me, one of the big things uh, being on maternity leave with my first child was actually having access to a lot of daylight because when I first was started being interested in photography, I was working full time. And so by the time I'd get home from work, it would be kind of dark. And so I actually didn't have access to a lot of daylight. And anyone who works in photography knows the most important thing is light. And so being home, you know, during the day actually gave me a lot of light to play with. And an adorable baby. And well. an adorable <laughs> baby. That, absolutely. Um, and so people saw the photos that I was taking of my baby and said, can you take photos of my baby too? So that's kind of where it started. And then there was a couple of good friends of mine who trusted me to do their wedding as my first wedding. And Is that terrifying? It was. It was really terrifying. I um, purchased new equipment beforehand, so I was actually, you know, behind before I'd even started financially. I um, did so much research. I, you know, there was a lot of, you know, pre-wedding planning and cramming and trying to think about all the things that might come up and you've just got to dive in and do it and that's how you learn and, you know, there's a, there's a word, flurning, failure learning. <laughs> I have not heard that before. Oh, haven't you? Flurning. Flurning. Yeah, flurning is. constantly flurning. Yes, flurning <laughs> is failure learning. Um, and every time that something's gone wrong, I've learned from that experience. And it's really a 
amazing honour to photograph someone's wedding day and they really trust me with that process. And so I, every time I photograph a wedding, it's nerve-wracking, every time, even though I've been doing it now for five years. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, yeah, you don't you didn't get a second shot. No, you don't get a second chance. Although that said, and this is one of the tips that I will talk about later, um, that said, if you don't get the sh shot you want, you know, you've got to not be afraid to try your best to make it happen. Make it, make the shot you want happen. Yeah. That's a good tip. Mm. And a lot more to come. So firstly, why should people invest in visual online content? Well, there's a little saying that you may have heard of, which is, a picture tells a thousand words. Have you heard of that one? Oh, I have heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Learning I had not heard of. Yeah. That one. <laughs> yes, a picture tells a thousand words. And the thing is people are absolutely drawn to visual content online. I would never recommend to uh, someone that I'm working with in digital or social media to, for example, post a social media update without a photo. Websites are becoming more and more visual now. If you had a website without visuals, people would probably get turned off pretty quickly. People are just really drawn to beautiful imagery and whether that is photographs or graphics or video or animation, it's just something that's become a part of um, our online world. And yeah, absolutely. And I guess the platforms themselves are also highly visual and recognise the interest and engagement that people naturally have and are drawn towards images. And you think of something like Instagram, which is like purely mm -hmm. a visual yeah. platform. You can have the accompanying text, but it's always, you know, quite small and you only see a couple of lines and you have to tap for more if it's if it's there. It's it's all about the videos or photos up front, big and bold. And that's what we just spent hours scrolling through. Exactly. And that's why people need to invest in their visual content online because ultimately people are going to get a impression of what your business is all about by that visual personality that you put across mm, and that's something i think we'll chat about some more as well mm. get into styles and yeah personality absolutely so, so what are the different ways that people can ensure they have great visual content for their website and social channels so there's a couple of different options that people can have to make sure that they have, you know, great visual content. Like I said, you know, visuals can be anything, you know, photography, graphic design, video or animation. Specifically, you know, I'm going to be talking about photography, but there's a whole range of things that people can pull together to, to get that great visual content. When it comes to uh, photography, there's lots of different options available to people. So number one is... Um, investing in their own photography. So that could be hiring a photographer. It could be buying an amazing camera. It could be learning online tutorials about how to take better photos themselves. It could be doing really fantastic DIY, authentic kind of gritty stuff. You know, there's heaps of different styles of photography that are available to people. I would suggest that people do look at hiring a photographer if they're not confident behind the camera themselves, um, only because what it will do is it will give people a starting base for their library. You know, it means they'll have their own images to draw upon without needing to resort to stock images. Now, stock images are also another option. You know, you can pay for stock images online or there are plenty of free stock image websites out there. My favourite is probably 
Pexels, mm. um, which is really good. I've been using Unsplash a bit more oh, as well. Yeah. We'll include the links to these in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, well. they're fantastic sites. But the problem with stock photography <laughs> is that, you know, it, you can see it everywhere. <laughs> um, There's a few pictures I use that I see pop up in lots of other places. Yeah, so absolutely. I try really hard now to scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah, don't just get the first one you photos. see. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or look at the very, very new photos and try and be the first person to use it for a while. Yeah. I do use a little bit of stock stuff too. I used to work with a school who used a stock photo of this girl that was meant to represent a student of theirs. And I have seen that girl selling cars. I've seen her selling university universities in other countries you know <laughs> yes it was a great picture of a girl but I think they would have done a lot better if they had invested in their own photography which would have actually represented them and who they are mm. so yeah so they're all the options that are available to people there's not just one path but I think actually having a bit of a plan as to how you want your visual content to look is important when it comes to right so how are we going to go about executing that mm. so you're talking about potentially as part of your brand guide having a visual style guide as well with the these the types of images or if there are certain characteristics or lighting or colors yeah absolutely it helps we call it a mood board when when we're looking at a visual kind of inspiration guide I guess and putting it together a mood board um, when it comes to your online and digital strategy is helpful in a number of ways. Number one, it helps you figure out what you want your visual identity to be. You know, are you naturally drawn to really light, bright, saturated images or are you more interested in black and whites or are you more interested in things that are particularly um, in line with your brand colours? So number one, it helps you. Number two, it helps all the other people in your organisation who might also be contributing to that visual online content and it also is useful if you are hiring a photographer to have a mood board and say this is the kind of thing that we're looking for this is the kind of thing that we want on our channels I think it's such a valuable tool and it doesn't need to be and say it doesn't need to be a difficult or challenging process but it's definitely worth the time and yeah. investment yeah to make some of those overarching decisions because I think it saves a lot of time in the future as well with like you said if you're briefing people or having other people working on your accounts or even looking for images yourself it kind of gives you that checklist of going you know does this image adhere to these points and yes. do we have this consistent feel because I think there are there are certainly a lot of accounts and brands that I follow where without even seeing their profile picture I know it's one yes, of their photos I absolutely. know it's one of their updates because they have such a consistent style in even if it's text graphics, you know, if they're using the same template to do a quote or something, they've got this style that you immediately recognise and associate with their with their brand. Yes. As opposed to some other other accounts I've seen where they're kind of clearly just, you know, they might have a loose theme for their pictures, mm. but they're kind of just grabbing anything that comes along, and it can be quite jarring. Yeah. If it's not, yeah, if it's not kind of in line with some of the previous pictures I've seen of them. Absolutely. And I think the accounts that uh, are really successful are ones that adhere to, you know, the general rules of what makes a photo beautiful and pleasing. Lots of light, lots of colour, but at the same time kind of have their own unique style so that you know it's them. And it, it is kind of because of the nature of the online world, there is, you do run a risk of 
like we talked about everyone using the same stock photos, you do kind of run a risk of everything kind of looking the same as everyone mm. else. So it is a good idea to kind of put that mood board together to say, this is the direction we're going um, so that you're not always just kind of treading down the same path as everyone else. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's a really good point because I think it's particularly – I mean, going back to Instagram again, because it's probably I spend way too much time there. (laughs) (laughs) There's certain accounts do have a very particular style. And I guess even with, you know, with things like quote templates and bits and pieces, you run the risk of, of looking like everyone else and not having that distinct personality as well. But the the, (laughs) the thing is, for example, on Instagram, things work for a reason. Yes. You know, people are drawn to particular types of images when I say people a lot of people as opposed to everyone there is a reason why some things work Mm. and it's because they've been proven yeah yeah Yeah. people like looking at particular styles of imagery and and they work yeah and then we kind of get some whole conversation about knowing your audience exactly (laughs) exactly (laughs) (laughs) probably also worth mentioning because we have talked about those two main options you've got for uh investing in your own your own content so either um, ideally having your own photo shoot done so you have this library of images that you can call on at any point in time Mm -hmm. um, or using relevant quality stock photos whether they be uh, royalty paid royalty paid paid images (laughs) paid images (laughs) Um, or free ones but you can't just grab any old thing off the internet that is very true (laughs) so always feel the need to reinforce that one that there is copyright law uh, and you cannot use images unless you have expressed permission or have purchased them or acquired them in a way that allows you to reshare them yes don't just take any old thing off google <laughs> so i will include a link to uh, creative commons licensing pieces <laughs> in the show notes if anybody's a bit concerned about that so to look at the the ideal option which is in as an organization or a brand or an individual um, investing in your own photos and uh, hiring a photographer to help you with those photos what advice do you have for people in preparing for a photo shoot of that nature? Uh, well, there's two sides to this. So there's preparing as a subject and then there's preparing as a photographer. So if you're the subject, um, it may be uh, that – sorry, so when I say if you're the subject, let's imagine that you're the one that's going to be in the photos. If you're going to be in photos, first of all, I'd say be in photos. <laughs> Don't think, oh, no, I don't want to be in front of the camera because photos of people work well online. People like to see that the, the people they're working with. If you're a tradie, people like to see the person who's going to be rocking up at their front door. If you're um, Erica from Scout, <laughs> uh, people like to see the person that they're going to be working with. Um, so I think it's a great idea to um, jump in front of the camera. But there may also be photos that don't include you as the subject. Let's imagine that you're jumping in front of the camera. A couple of things that you want to be aware of is to firstly make yourself look the best that you can. And that's not to say that you need to, you know, go and get your hair done or get a makeup, you know, get a full face of makeup or anything like that. But if you feel good within yourself, you're wearing clothes that you like, you're wearing clothes that fit well, then you're going to feel more confident in front of the camera and more comfortable if you are wearing clothes that are a bit 
ill-fitting or you don't feel your best, then that's going to come out in the photos. So you really want to make sure that you put some prep work into how it is that you're presenting. The next thing that I would suggest is actually practice your facial expressions in the mirror. Even if it's just five minutes beforehand, just go and look in the mirror and just have a play around with your smile or your eyebrows or your you know, sad face, your happy face, your, you know, surprised face, whatever it might be, just so you have an idea of how your face is going to look in front of the camera. Obviously, when we're doing selfies, we can kind of see ourselves and we can see what we look like. But when someone else is taking photos of you, you, you kind of don't really have any idea often. So it's a really good idea to just have a little bit of a little bit of a practice in front of the mirror. And that can be both with your face and with your body. If you've got access to a full length mirror, just have a play around with, you know, the way that you are standing. Typically, you're going to look better and more relaxed in photos if you're not just kind of standing straight on, yes. uh, you know, feet straight on, arms down, you know, having a bit of movement to your body, have a, having a play with angles. Um, all of that kind of stuff is really valuable when it comes to preparing. You might also have a play with, and this is going to sound a bit silly, but have a play with thinking about different emotions when you're doing your mirror facials. You know America's Next Top Model? Yes. And Tyra Banks, <laughs> her big thing is smiles. Do you know smiles? <laughs> no, I'm learning all these new <laughs> <Yeah>. words. <laughs> Smiling with your eyes oh, is smiles. So have a go at just looking in the mirror and not actually doing like a massive smile but just smiling with your eyes. And one way to do that, and I saw this recently when I saw another photographer do a photo shoot and I thought, oh, that's such a good idea. I'm going to steal that. One way to do that is to just think about something you love. Like just think about someone or something that you love and that doesn't mean that you necessarily have to put on this huge, big, cheesy smile, but your eyes will show that and they'll be the things that are smiling in your face. That's awesome. I'm mm. definitely going to be practicing my smiles in the mirror. <laughs> Your smiles, yes. And I feel like, you know, having been the subject that you are talking about, it's, I can certainly say, and I know from speaking with a lot of people, if you're not practiced or familiar with having your photo taken, it can be really awkward mm. to start with. And we all feel awkward to yes, start with. Yes. And it does, even at the start of a photo shoot, often feels really uncomfortable and, you know, it helps when you're being photographed by someone who you're comfortable with as well and like you say you know I wear uncomfortable clothes or in a comfortable setting it can also be really fun as well and I know just I know that personally and the research you know tells us that people like looking at photos of people and you can a b test it and split test it with ads and bits and pieces but photos with people in them generally perform better and that's something that I guess has encouraged me to get over that initial discomfort of being in photos and in videos because I could see the results. Like I can see that people are actually interested. They like to, yeah, like you say, see the person that they're going to be meeting with, see the person that they're going to be, that they're talking to on the phone or, you know, whether it's an online training session or an in-person training session, they've already got that familiarity just from seeing my face. Absolutely. And the thing is people... Um, you know, we're about the same age. People our age are probably on the cusp of the generation that is part of that awkwardness. And I think that anyone kind of, uh, this is a massive generalisation, but probably people that are older than us 
are more awkward in front of the camera than people that are younger than us because millennials and Generation Z have grown up in a world where photos are being taken of them all the time. And not only are they more comfortable in front of the camera because photos have been taken in front of them all the time, but they also, I think, are less self-conscious about bad photos of themselves. You know, they'll just take a selfie, click, and they'll put it up on Snapchat or um, Instagram stories or whatever it may be because they know that it's ephemeral and it's going to disappear. It's not going to haunt them forever. It might be different in their actual Instagram feed. (laughs) Um, But I think that comfort has to do with familiarity with the camera. So before a photo shoot, you might even take selfies of yourself, you know, even though it's not going to be an accurate representation of what the photo shoot's going to be like, just have a play with taking selfies. And you never know, you might actually use the selfies yes. later as well. <laughs> well, like you say, having that, that more candid content that you create yourself, which we'll talk about. Before. Yeah. But that's such a good point because this is going to go on a slight tangent, but it was probably only, it would have only been in the last six to eight years that I had my first professional headshot done. And even, you know, joining Facebook 11, 12 years ago, whatever it was, and for a very long time, the, the only photos I had of myself were generally taken when I was out. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Arms around your um, friends. So, yeah, yep. yep. <laughs> so, yeah, often like out photos or at something during the day and I'd always have sunglasses on. So, on the rare occasions where I was asked for a photo and I'm like scrolling, trying yes, to find a photo yeah. because we didn't have this camera in our pocket. And so, it was to try and find a professional photo if I was involved with an event or something was really challenging. Whereas now it is so much more commonplace, but also can create that, that awkwardness with those of us who haven't grown up with it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. One more thing as a subject I would say is have a shot list. So know what you want. So your shot list is going to include a couple of things. It's going to include, it might include locations, you know, I want photos here, here and here. It might include things that you want to include in the photos like props. You know, I want a photo of me with my computer. I want a photo of me with my phone. I want a photo with me with my wine glass. If I'm a winemaker, I want a photo of me with my cheese. If I'm a cheesemaker, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Your shot list might even include facial expressions. Like you might say, I want a photo of myself looking surprised. I want a photo of myself looking um, smug. I want a photo of myself looking happy. I want a photo of myself looking um, shocked. You know, all of these facial expressions bit of a topical example of this is a little TV show you may have heard of called Married at First Sight. Now, Married at First Sight, what they do before the show starts, and of course all reality TV shows do this, but Married at First Sight did it particularly well, is before the show started, what they did was they got every single contestant or participant uh, of on Married at First Sight to do a photo shoot, and they had grumpy face, shocked face, smiling face, loved up face, you know, all of these possible emotions that you could imagine, then uh, they would use those photos as promo on the TV or in newspapers or on social media or on the backs of buses or whatever it might be. In particular, I saw it on the streaming services because, you know, you go to the streaming services and it has the promos for the, the shows that are coming up. But the facial expressions of the participants would match what the storyline was doing that week. So they would have all these photos ready to go and so they could kind of manipulate the storyline in terms of the stills however way 
they wanted. And then what they also did was they created a huge number of GIFs for Instagram (laughs) stories. So if you go to Instagram stories and you look up MAFS, you will find hundreds of GIFs of the Married at First Sight participants. They are raising a glass of champagne. They are mic dropping. They are boogie dancing. They are looking shocked. They are looking excited. They're looking surprised. And this is all stuff that they've done in advance. And you know that the producer has a massive shot list and they say, okay, we need to just bang this out. We're getting this, 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 this. And they've done it so well. There is a Married at First Sight gift for any occasion. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I'm definitely going to be looking that up. <laughs> and it reinforces, I mean, the whole reason why we're talking about investing this time in your own photos is to have this library that you can use for any occasion. Mm. It's, and, you know, so it's, it can be quite cost effective to do more of a once-off photo shoot or a regular six-monthly or 12-monthly photo shoot if you want to keep updated rather than taking the odd photo here and there and these photos I know with some of the clients that I deal with people don't always understand how much you can just reuse photos yeah absolutely (laughs) just because we've used it once doesn't mean we can't use it again because like you say the feed is always flowing yeah and people aren't always going to remember it there's always new people coming along so if you if you have a great photograph that expresses a situation or an emotion or of yourself there's no harm in using it multiple multiple times absolutely and and the final thing i'd say as a subject is bring along a couple of different outfits yeah so halfway through you can kind of change your jacket or change your shirt or something like that so it looks like it's a completely different day (laughs) (laughs) one of the other things that i do as well as a subject is when i see a photograph of somebody that i i like the photograph i save it or take a little snapshot so I've, i've been doing that sometimes i guess don't have an official mood board like you suggest, but I have a few squirreled away where I'm like, I like that pose. I like the way they've done that. I like, you know, I, I might try that next time. That's so your mood we'll, folder. My mood folder. Yes. yes. <laughs> so whenever you see something that you like, just like squirrel it away. Yes. Um, just in case it might be suitable for yeah. your own shoot as well. And my final suggestion as a subject would be to hire a photographer whose style you like Mm. there's nothing worse than um hiring a photographer and then saying to them now i want you to do it like this other photographer does it (laughs) Um, because photographers have their own style they do things a certain way and you're much better off hiring a photographer that is going to suit the style you want by looking at their previous work rather than trying to mold someone into something that they're not comfortable with so Mm. yeah so again, huge benefit to having that that mood board or some exa- either yeah. some examples of what you like to try and match it with a photographer or searching for photographers and looking at the style of their existing photos and making your selection that way. Absolutely. So as a photographer, um, if you're the one taking the photos, I would say the first thing you need to do is review the shot list that they've um, provided to you. Make sure you're across it. Um, you might have your own suggestions to go into the shot list. The next thing I would say is do your best to get it right the first time because Photoshop, oh, it just, you know, there's wonderful tools available to us in Photoshop, but it is time consuming. The number of time, pretty much every photo shoot I ever do, someone will say, oh, but you can just Photoshop that, right? (laughs) And it's like, well, yes, I can Photoshop it, but it Not would, a completely different outfit. Exactly. <laughs> it would just be so much easier if we solved the problem before it 
needed to be done in Photoshop. So what we should do is look at people's clothing before we start. Pick off any loose hairs or dust or wipe away any dirt. Check people's teeth before you're taking photos of them. It might be things like moving a piece of furniture out the way or um, just changing where people are standing, just making sure that you kind of get it right as early as possible in the process so that you don't get back to your desk afterwards and you look at all these photos and you're thinking, oh, if only I just moved that chair out the way. <laughs> now I have to Photoshop it out the way. Um, try and get it right the first time, you know, because Photoshopping, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and as a – so I guess – the agreement between the subject and the photographer as well, that is going to be an important consideration with just ensuring that the photographer is giving you full ownership Absolutely. over those photos yeah. and, and an understanding of whether um, any credit is required or appreciated or what. Yeah, if there are any conditions to the to the use of the photos. Yeah, that's well. a really good tip. You don't want to get um, to the end of the process and realise there's been some misunderstandings about, you know, what it is that you're actually providing and then what it is that you can use it for after that. Some photographers will charge more for photos that are going to be used um, commercially, for example. So you just need to make sure that you're both across the agreement. So there's some great tips for see the, the ideal situation of hiring a photographer to do that photo shoot for you. The other option that you mentioned is taking your own photos. Yeah, DIY. So, yes, we love a bit of DIY. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so for people who are doing doing their own DIY photos, either with their camera phone or if they do have a you know better quality camera, what tips or advice would you have for them? So if you're using a smartphone, the first tip I would give you this sounds a bit strange, but honestly, it is the best tip. Wipe your camera lens. Pick up your phone, grab the corner of your jumper or your shirt or a hanky or whatever you have on hand and wipe your camera lens because you'd be surprised at how much of a difference it makes to your photos. It's now like a nervous tick for me like every time I pick up my cam my phone to take a photo I wipe my lens I actually uh, told that to someone the other day and I'm like Kate's always telling me <laughs> clean, my, clean my camera lens excellent <laughs> my harping is getting through very good my next tip would be be bossy ask for the shot you want you know don't just you know accept what's in front of you but Try your best to put yourself in a position where you're going to get the shot you want. So that might mean, for example, if you're photographing people at an event, ask people, I need you to stand over here. I need you to shake hands again so I can get a photo of you shaking hands. And that's kind of comes back to what we were talking about when it comes to weddings. You want to get one shot at weddings. You know, I um, actually had a wedding the other day where I missed the kiss. <gasps> I know. <laughs> But uh, we went, it was in a church, and we went up to the, they just did the most lightning kiss, and I'm not quite sure what happened, but I missed it. And I went up to the priest who was overseeing them signing all the papers, and I said to him quietly, can you just get them to kiss again before you announce them, um, before they come back down the aisle? And the priest said, yeah, sure, no worries. So 
he got up to the front of the aisle and said quietly to the couple, can you just have another kiss? And I took a photo of it and got the shot. So it just goes to show you've got to ask for what you want because if I didn't ask that, I wouldn't have got the shot. And the same applies if you're photographing events or if you're photographing, um, you know, social photos for social pages for, um, you know, the newspaper or whatever it might be. You need to make sure you ask for what you want. Be bossy, be bossy, and that's how you'll get it. And people are really accommodating because I, I, like, I know personally I get uncomfortable asking for photos. So if if we're running a training session or even kind of beforehand there's people mingling around, like personally I'm very uncomfortable doing it, but people are always so great about it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll always say no if they're not comfortable and it's not a big deal. And 99% mm. of people will say yes because they know that, you know, we're living in a world where we're living in a visual world, yes. you know, and people need photos all the time and, and people are becoming less and less precious about, better or for worse, people are becoming less and less precious about privacy and photos of themselves being online and all of that kind of stuff. So most people are going to say yes if you go up, if, if you ask for the shot. And like you said as well at the start, that, that idea of, you know, take, taking 10,000 photos, it's also being, and what I found is just like having it front of mind, always thinking how could I be recording this situation this moment and taking the photos and taking lots of photos and then being able to go back through yes. and and pick them as well. And there's a woman I know who does, she does a lot of speaking and training gigs and she does this really well where she's just constantly documenting her day and it's not always pictures of her presenting mm. or of the room necessarily, but she'll take a photo of the room when it's set up beforehand or if she's got a big slide up there and you just really get this and she makes those little collage pictures and shares them. So you've got a really great sense of what the, it is that she's done without having to read the description at all. It's like, ah, oh, Jane's had another speaking gig in wherever. Jane's on a plane somewhere. <laughs> exactly. And it just goes to show like err on the side of taking the photo. Mm-hmm. You know, like when I used to work at Hughes PR, my colleagues would always go out to media events or client events or whatever. And they always used to say when they used to walk out the door, would you like me to take photos for our social media? I'm like, don't even ask me. <laughs> always take photos. Err on the side of taking photos. At least they were asking, I would say. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I more often than not get, oh, yeah, I was at this event. Did you take a photo? No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, it did then allow me an opportunity to give them a little, couple of little reminders <laughs> before they walked out the door. Make sure you do this and make sure you do that. And clean your camera lens. And clean your camera lens, absolutely. <laughs> no, it's really, I think it, it needs to become that habit and it, it can be difficult and it can be awkward, first of all, to think about why would anybody care about this? But the truth is we're a pretty nosy bunch and like seeing what it is that people are doing and, and like those raw, candid, behind-the-scenes yeah. you know, shots of what other people do for work or personally or, or what have you as well. So Take the photo. <laughs> take the photo. Absolutely. Finally, another tip would be to make sure you're always, if you can, and, you know, this won't apply in every situation, but try and take photos in both portrait and landscape mm. versions um, because they're useful for different things. So, for example, if you're taking a photo of a bottle of wine and a glass of wine sitting on a table, you want to take it both portrait and landscape and you want to take it close up and you want to take it further back because you might use the portrait vertical version of the photo for um, Instagram. You might use the close-up photo for your Instagram stories. You might use the faraway landscape version of your photo as a banner 
on an email newsletter or you might use it on as a banner on your website. You know, there's so many different ways that that photo could be used and you need it to be in different formats for those different purposes. So it's always good to, if you can, get in the habit of camera this way, then camera that way. Mm. Um, so you've got the options. That's fantastic. Do you, I think a lot of people these days have the grid lines on their yes. camera turned on. Are they on by default or do you need to turn them on? I think you need to turn them on. Yeah. Because yeah. they're really, I use them sometimes to, you know, line up and rule of thirds. Yes. Yes. The rule of thirds is or a good one. just trying to, to get something straight in the, in the shot as well. Yes. Straighten your photos. <laughs> and obviously you do with your professional photos, a lot of editing. Um, well, hopefully not too much editing if you've taken the photo correctly. Yeah. <laughs> but would you have any tips for editing photos on the phone yeah, as well? Yeah, absolutely. So there are a couple of tools that are your best friend when it comes to editing your tools on your phone. The first um, option is brighten. Brighten your photos. They're just always going to look better with a bit of brightness added to them, light and bright. And the next thing is sharpening. So mm. just do a little bit of sharpening on your photos as well and then just play around with the sliders that are available to you. You know, it might be contrast or saturation or it might be uh, shadows or highlights. And if you just have a play around with the tools that are available to you rather than just accepting the photo that's in front yes. of you, then you can make an ordinary photo go from ordinary to great. Smartphone cameras are so good these they days. They are pretty amazing, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Even the in-editing tools on Instagram, you know, without even moving on to a specialist editing app, even the in-editing tools on Instagram are fantastic. You know, they've got a little tool up the top called Lux. Do you know Lux? Oh, no, I don't. So when you're editing your photo, there's this little um, tool up the very top of the screen. It's like not included in the regular slidery sections and it kind of has a play with contrast and light automatically and you can kind of play with the slider. If you Google Instagram Lux tool, you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I'll, I'll try and find the link and include it in the show notes as well and I'm definitely <laughs> going to be having to play around with it. Yeah, it's, actually, it's better for landscapes, not so much people's faces, but one of the best things, you know, I talked about clicking the shutter 10,000 times but one of the best things you can do is just be familiar with the tools that are available mm. to you on your phone just so you know that they're there and you know how they work and then you've got the power yeah yeah because mm. we really do have like say so much power with that with that phone as well and it, hopefully it goes without saying but focus your photos yes that <laughs> <laughs> you you did mention the sharpening tool which I do revert to occasionally with photos that are supplied to me but but just tap on that screen yes and focus on on the bit that you want to be in focus that's right and there are so many things you can do right at that point of taking the photo so focus um, adjust your exposure mm. you know all of those things you can do right at the very beginning you know I talked before about getting it right first time you know the more that you can do at the very beginning of the process the better and on your smartphones, don't zoom. You'll just get no. pixelated photos. No, yeah. no. I've, yeah, I, I have learned that the hard way <laughs> years ago. Now I'll actually get right up close if I need to. Yes, well. your, your feet are the best uh. zoom tool you have. <laughs> portrait mode's pretty fun as well. Yes, portrait so mode. The, um, new iPhone X, mm. I do play around with that a bit and not always just with people, but you can use it with um, some 
kind of still life subjects sometimes as well. Pretty sure I've done a few coffee and wine photos in well, portrait mode. Wine is difficult on portrait mode ah. because it makes sometimes it makes the top of the wine glass disappear. Oh really? Yeah, because it's kind of like <gasps> it, it doesn't quite recognise it. So you end up with like a, a, a ghostly wine that. glass, yeah. Oh, maybe I have a grubby wine glass. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's all about having a play. Yeah. 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 And um, like you say, the, the more you use it, the more familiar you will you get with it as well. You were talking about the editing options in Instagram and we were talking about general style of photos before. I do know of some brands who will always use the same filter mm-hmm. on Instagram to kind of help give their photos that similar feel as well rather yes. than, you know, me circa 2010 whenever Instagram came out and used a different filter for everything. <laughs> Would you have any tips around that in regards to the f- having that kind of theme for your photos? I think it's a good idea to have a consistent kind of treatment filter or treatment or post-production to your photos. I often find that Instagrams are a little bit harsh. Mm. Um, They can be a little bit heavy-handed. And, of course, you can move them with the slider, but still I find that, you know, sometimes those Instagram inbuilt filters don't really hit the mark. But you can have a play with some other apps that are out there, like um, there's one called A Colour Story that has a lot of different filters. There's VSCO. Uh, which is another one that has a lot of different filters. So there are other apps out there that you can use to edit your photos and then to kind of move them into that social media environment yeah. after that. And just upload them as the kind of normal. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll find the links and include those links to those apps in the show notes as well because they're sure. great tips. Yeah. Thank you. We've touched a little bit on this in regards to being the subject and mm-hmm. how that can be quite uncomfortable for people being in front of the camera sometimes. What tips can you give for getting the best result out of people, whether you know, as the photographer but as the subject as well? Make it a fun process, you know. You're, you're not there to kind of save lives. <laughs> um, you're there to get some really nice, relaxed photos that don't look like they're uncomfortable so have fun you know have a play and we live in an era of digital photography so if you take photos of people you know mucking around and looking silly and have their tongue out or their eyes half closed then you can just delete them so you know it's just have fun have a play joke around with people sometimes the best moments that you can get capture of people are the in-between moments kind of when they're waiting to get their photo taken or if you're talking to them in between they might laugh at a joke and then quickly whip out your camera and take a photo of them then and you know not everyone looks great when they move their head around but tell them to do it anyway so look straight at me put your chin down put your chin up tilt your head to the side look to the side click, 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 click. There's five different poses with someone's head and they may not all work out, but you've got the options there and chances are a lot of them will work out. So just joke around, have fun and give people direction, even if they feel uncomfortable with it, just really encourage people and big smiles. (laughs) (laughs) I love what you're saying about the facial expressions as well. And even if they do look a bit, you know, silly, Sometimes I know that I'm being drawn a bit more towards photos that some yeah where people are kind of making some silly faces. Yeah. They're not always necessarily just looking serious or perfect or smiling or whatever it is. It's that not obscurity, but that that difference. 
yeah. lost for words. There was a photo I took of you and Jen Everson a couple of years ago now, <laughs> uh, which I noticed that you used on your Instagram feed recently, where yeah. it looks like the two of you are almost fighting. Yeah. And I don't even remember what it was that we were joking about or laughing about that caused that photo to come about. But lo and behold, you had a need for it. Because yes. uh, we, we had never used that photo because I was like, okay, I don't really know what to do with this one. <laughs> we had a webinar which we called ah. Facebook Ads versus Google Ads and Jen was taking the Facebook side and I was taking the Google ad side. So I was just go. kind of like looking, scrolling back through our image library to try and find a photo which I could use to share the webinar that we had had coming up and it certainly got a lot of attention yeah well it suited really well looked like you were fighting I loved it (laughs) I do have a few other yeah funny kind of outtake photos up my sleeve as well I've just got to find some other situations to use now and as the photographer like sometimes it's worth including some of those outtakes in there you know because you never know when they could come in handy case in point Mm. yeah maybe don't delete everything um Cool. So any other tips that you, you can give us for, I guess, managing your visual content? The best thing in terms of file management is make sure that you have, uh, you know, everything available to you on the cloud if you can. Mm. So you don't just keep them on a hard drive at home because, you know, obviously, you know, if you're using it for online digital content, it is best to store it on the cloud. You never quite know with hard drives. So I would do that and I'd also... Spend some time at the beginning of the process um, getting some good filing names um, in place as well so that you can search and search for what it is that you're looking for in amongst all your photos. We have talked a lot about the fact that we're living in a world where there's so much visual content. So trying to scour your way through thousands of photos is just going to waste time. So kind of if you can have a process in place where you can sort through all the photos that you've taken um, so that you can find them easily afterwards. File management is a something that's close to my heart over the last couple of days because I've been doing a bit of file management and it's a pain but once it's done it's so easy so for example in my filing system I use the date on every photo so I know that I can just search for that date and the photo will come up and then often I'll use keywords as well so um, for example a client came to me the other day and said oh we love this photo but we've only got a low res version of it And I could see immediately what date it was and go straight back to my files and find the original version of the photo. So investing your time in a little bit of file management is really valuable. Mm, Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. And from an SEO perspective for those um, photos that you're uploading to your website, it can be really beneficial to have a descriptive file name in there. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, from From a website management perspective, but also potentially from an SEO perspective if there's any keywords in there about what the photo is about as well and I do have an article I can link to which has some great tips about um, managing images from, a, from an SEO perspective as well and yeah like I said with the cloud because I I use Dropbox for most of my photos and I have the app on my phone as well and so I kind of use it in both situations even though most of my publishing uh, and content preparation and scheduling is done from my laptop there are occasions where I'm on my phone and I'm like I need a photo right now or I need to update <laughs> something so that's been really convenient for me to have that access to all those photos and vice versa if I'm taking some um, kind of more candid shots on my iPhone rather than just letting them disappear into the 
thousands of photos that are in my camera roll, I'll upload um, particular photos from events or training sessions or photos that I think I might use in the future yep. into our you know, social media photos folder on, on Dropbox. And every photographer has a different way of doing things, of course, but I personally prefer to give my files to clients quite low res. Like I'll have the high res versions available too, but to have photos that are like 15 meg is not helpful, (laughs) you know, when you're trying to manage your online content, you know, especially when you're uploading photos to a website, you know, you've got photos that are kind of 4,000 pixels across, that's going to slow down your website, it's going to make it harder to access the files when they're on the cloud, all of that kind of stuff. So it's good to have the high-res versions available if you need them, but day-to-day working with low-res is, is much easier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you say, just the, the, the speed of, of uploading photos and, and managing your own data use as well is mm. hugely, hugely beneficial. But not too low-res. Yes. There's nothing wrong with – there's nothing um, worse than pixelated photos. <laughs> it's a very fine line, that's mm. for sure. So any last tips about photographs? I would say that uh, you mentioned before that, you know, you – have in the past found it hard to get photos of yourself if you don't have a lot of photos for yourself or even if you do always ask someone to take a photo of you hand your phone over can you take a photo of me you know it's great to have photos of yourself available to you and um, don't feel like it's vain or that you're, you're kind of seeking the spotlight hand your phone over take a photo of me take a photo of me at this event take a photo of me in front of this wall take a photo of me with my brand new phone take a photo <laughs> of me with you know in this location whatever it might be ask someone to take a photo of you it's great yeah that's such a great tip because particularly for those of us who work by ourselves or are going to events on our own or or set up it can be might feel a little bit isolating or you're always behind the camera taking photos of things yes um but great to have that that documentation that's not always a selfie as well yeah exactly (laughs) i have a rule when we travel that if anyone ever offers to take a photo of my family i always say yes (laughs) (laughs) yes take a photo of us yes (laughs) whereas my husband's like no don't take a photo of us (laughs) he's uncomfortable in front of the camera but i make him do it (laughs) so a few last questions to wrap up more about you kate Who or what inspires and motivates you? I wouldn't necessarily say a who, but what inspires or motivates me is small actions by people that are doing things that are making the world a better place, whether it be politically or environmentally or socially or ethically. I'm really inspired by people who have the confidence and courage to to do things that are always striving to make the world a better place and my job may not always be down that vein but uh you know it's something that I'd love to get more into myself and is there anything that you're learning at the moment oh I'm constantly learning the best thing about our industry is that the 10,000 hour rule doesn't apply you know the goalposts are always moving everything's always changing lately I have been learning about the best ways to make my Instagram stories better I've been doing a lot of YouTube tutorial watching really about the things that you can do to make your Instagram stories better all these tips and tricks out there that are kind of almost hidden yeah there's some really fantastic things that people are doing with Instagram stories and so I've been deep diving into that lately 
Oh, that's so exciting. Mm. So make sure you check out Kate's Instagram story. <laughs> uh, and what's the one skill or area you would encourage others to develop if they want to be prepared to do their best online? Well, we've talked about it a lot. Take <laughs> 10,000 photos. Take all the photos, you know, and you will learn about light and you will learn about getting the best out of people and you will learn about getting the best out of yourself. But it's the kind of thing that you have to do it to learn it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Sorry, if people do want to check out your photos and more about you, where is the best place? Yes, so probably my Instagram is a good place. <laughs> Especially I, the stories. Yes. I am at Kate42 on Instagram. At Kate42 is where I'm at on Instagram. I've got wedding photos at katejeanpotter.com and you'll find me on LinkedIn as well, which is linkedin.com slash in slash kate potter we'll include all those links in the show notes as well for anyone who wants to check it out and get in touch with kate thank you so much for your time and expertise today kate lovely chatting i've loved it thank you erica thank you for listening to the dobcast i hope you feel inspired and prepared to do your best online if you enjoyed this episode i would love it if you could find the time to leave us a review your feedback helps us improve and also helps others find us. So consider it your good deed for the day.